Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, as we've gathered around your throne in worship, as we've sensed your Holy Spirit right here in our midst, bringing to us the grace of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, the fellowship of God, we now ask as we open the Word of God that it might come alive right here in our midst. And it might point us to things in our, in our life and in our experience that we would say that is consistent with God's word and God's will. And we've been part of it and we're part of it now. So Father, bless your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been going for a number of months, in fact, ever since the start of this year, the January 2021, we've been going through what we've been calling the red letters of Jesus. Some Bibles, as you know, have every word that Jesus spoke printed in red ink. Some Bibles that do that are called red letter editions, and we've been going through a series of messages that we've just called red letter living. We've been challenging ourselves to pattern our life according to the teachings of Jesus, which is what he did himself. He demonstrated all those things in his own life, and they called upon us to follow after him and to do the same. And through his teachings, he told us, explained to us, what that kind of life is like. Well, now this morning on this anniversary Sunday, I believe that our red-letter scripture is astoundingly applicable. It just seemed to fit this particular day. I hope you agree. Just pay attention. Now, in your bulletin today, you have a full set of notes. Every blank is filled in, so there's no work for you to do. So just know you can go home and you've got it all right there. During the message, just watch what comes on the screen, listen to what we say, and, and kind of just proceed along with us without any of that pressure to say, what is this B word? And what's that D word? And I hope I get it right. Just go along with us, and here we go. Here's today's red letter scripture. It's John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said, but the companion... That's our word, our English word for that Greek word paraclete. But the companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now the key word in that verse for us today is the word remind. 
That's a key assignment given to Numa, the Holy Spirit, as he comes into the life of every born-again child of God. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as Savior, that new birth is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. And when we yield our will and our way to the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, the Bible tells us we receive, every believer receives, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he's the one who will come, who will walk with you, who will be with you. He'll be your companion. He'll be everything to you that I have been, is what Jesus was saying. And one of the things he will do, Jesus says, is he'll remind you of stuff. He'll remind you of what I have said, of everything I have said. And so the Spirit, now 2,000 years later, is still in this world serving as a reminder of things that should never be forgotten or allowed to become irrelevant. Put it another way, a wonderfully positive way, Numa, the Holy Spirit, will make your memory functional. Turn to somebody and say, my memory's not too functional right now. What if we went on TV selling a product that is guaranteed to make your memory functional? It would probably put focus factor just out of business. But that's what we're saying here today. But you might say, now wait a minute, Pastor Mark, I, I know. It's a very special memory. A very style, particular style of functionality we're talking about. But it's the most important of all. So let's go along. Numa, the Holy Spirit, if you're a born-again believer, he's with you. He's desiring to work in and through you. He will make your memory functional. And according to our title today, that is a blessing like no other. He might even help you remember a password or two. Maybe a telephone number, but there's stuff he will help you remember that is just phenomenally important and that will bring blessing to you continually. So let's just define memory a little bit. Memory. And sometimes the older people get, some of you in here are getting there, sometimes the older people get, the better their memory gets about this stuff. The ability to recall and to even relive. You know, to, to recall something in their life so vividly that they can tell you every detail of it, even if they don't remember their current password. But memory, memory has the ability to help us recall and even relive things that are important to us, things that have happened to us. This morning I would say the Holy Spirit particularly helps us recall and even relive things that hold great spiritual value. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to recall and possibly even relive in the sense of stir some of the original emotions that we felt at the time by the things that we share today. So as we go through this message, we're going to follow through what I called here three spirit-enabled applications 
of a functional memory, our spiritual memory especially. So here we go, number one. A believer, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, a born-again child of God, a believer who truly remembers never forgets. There are certain things that a true Christian, a born-again believer, walking with the Spirit into uh, the various uh, events of God's leading, certain things that a born-again believer just never forgets. And we might even say, and there should never forget, but if we're walking with the Spirit, we never will forget this. Number one, he, he never forgets God's benefit. Here's what David said, Psalm 103, verse 2. He said, praise the Lord, O my soul. How many of you have a soul? Oh, come on. How many of you have a soul? Okay, there we are. We're sure of that. We're sure of that. That's good. That's good. David knew he had one. He knew that his soul, his inner being, is that part of him that remembers stuff. He's not just saying, oh, my brain, my soul, the real me, where my personality is, where my, you know, that, oh, my soul, he said, praise the Lord. He was instructing his soul something to do. Praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And you know, in that very same psalm, this is something that always amazed me from the time I was young until right now, always amazed me when you read the psalms and David gets all excited about something God has done. Oh, praise God, praise God. And then he says something God has done. Nine times out of ten, the thing that David is talking about is four or five hundred years old. And David's still getting excited about it. You see, when God has done something in your life or in the lives of those who are connected to you, if the story's been passed down, you can praise God forever for his benefits, the things that he's done when he's intervened in this world. Because when God intervenes in this world, it's something really special. He doesn't just intervene 24-7. When he intervenes, and so even in Psalm 103, you start reading down through there as David's excitedly telling his soul to praise God, praise God for all his benefits. He, about halfway through, he says, your blessing to Moses and the people when you brought them out of Egypt. David didn't come out of Egypt. It would have been his great, 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 great grandfather, maybe. And he says, oh God, what a God you are. Soul, David's soul, praise God for having brought Moses and the people out of Egypt. And so we're going to look back a little ways, not four or five hundred years, but sometimes in our lives, 20 years can seem like, really? You still get excited about that? That's a mom talking to her son. And say, I remember when you were born. You say, I don't. You're still excited about that? I never was excited about that. I'm trying to find something to get excited about. Working my way along. 
David says, oh my soul, you can get excited about the stuff that God has done no matter when he's done it and to whom he's done it. Oh, how God has provided for this congregation of believers over these 27 years. A lot of these things we saw on that video. Some of you didn't know what you were looking at. But right at the beginning, you were looking at the very first provision of God. God provided us our first place to meet. You know where we met for some five years? From 1994 to 1998, we met in the chapel. Well, a chapel's a good place to hold a church. Somebody's built a chapel. But it was the chapel of Victor Valley Mortuary. Now, a lot of people say, you go to church in a mortuary? Well, it's convenient if anything happens to anybody. But when we were looking for a place to meet, we, we checked the high schools in Apple Valley, or the schools, nothing was available to us. We went through a number of choices, and then I walked into that beautifully brand new chapel that did not look like it belonged to a, you know, a mortuary at all. It was pastel colors, it was brand new, it had a stained glass window with a glorious uh, dove representing the Holy Spirit there, and everything that was mortuary-ish was around the corner or down the hall or somewhere else. The chapel could have been just set there on that property by, by any church anywhere that wanted to build a beautiful place. And when I walked in there, and a young man, Kevin Kurtz, who was the new director of it, it was a brand new, kind of a reborn organization, he said, you know, there's been several churches asked me if they could meet this, meet here. He said, I, I just didn't feel like any of that was appropriate. But he said, as soon as you walked in here and I saw you, it just seemed to me, this is the group God wants to use this building. And so we used it for five years. A beautiful place. Our children had Sunday school <clears throat> in the casket room. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of rooms there. You know, once you got away from the beautiful, they never had anybody in there with our kids. <laughs> but that's the way it went. And somehow God just blinded most of the eyes of the people walking in and said, oh, what a lovely place this is. And it was a lovely place. And sometimes we actually saw the spiritually dead come to life in that place. And that's a good thing. God provided that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have even been able to start. God also provided for us, and you saw it on day one, an outstanding worship team. Incredible leaders of worship who were worshipers themselves. And now over the years, we have our only, in 27 years, only two. Now this wonderful assembly is we used to just call them Team Two. We don't do that anymore because there's nobody around hardly that remembers Team One. This is just our worship team here at Sun Life Church. But we had a wonderful start. That man with the big smile with the guitar in his lap, his name was, was Don Grant. 
He was a one-man band. He could make that guitar sound like multiple instruments. He was a, just a, an amazing fella. And then set, thirdly, God provided us after five years with a location in Apple Valley. It's when we really first became a community church, a neighborhood church. Nobody lives around that mortuary. That was just a spot where we were, but there wasn't a single house you could hardly even recognize within walking distance. It was not in a neighborhood. But then we came to Apple Valley, and, and we found a location at what was then called Vista Campana Middle School. Matt Schulenberg was the new principal there, and Matt and his family are still members of our church today and are, take care of that corner of the church every Sunday morning. Matt, thank you for letting us in and just being a... And he says, I don't, he didn't know anything about us. He didn't grow up in this area, but guess what? His wife grew up in the church that I had formerly pastored and his parents were in it and she was well familiar with my name when Matt goes home and he says, hey, there's some guy named Mark Michaels uh, got a brand new church he wants to bring over and, and there was a connection made there. We would set up church in the gymnasium. We would build a little tabernacle out of I mean, literally, we would build a tent on a PVC pipe frame with curtains on it. We would set it up. You could come in the back, and we had about 150 chairs set up in there. And when you entered into that place, it was like you had entered into an entirely different world than a, a school gymnasium or cafeteria. And much, much good took place. In fact, those blue chairs that you'll sit on for lunch, we first bought in 1998, that's 23 years ago, to be our, our own seats in our own tabernacle. And they're still out there, still useful. You'll be on them today. We met there at Vista for nine years, approximately. And we became a neighborhood church. Some people who are in this church right now this morning actually walked to that school from where they lived and became part of our, our fellowship. <laughs> became part of our fellowship. God then provided us a phenomenal piece of property for a phenomenal price and enabled us to build a phenomenally functional building on it. And that's where we are right now. During the process of, of dreaming about planning out this building on this property, because we owned the property for about seven years before we built the building, because crazy us, we're committed as a church to not do anything we don't have the money to do or can afford. So we waited a while. During that time, a sweet godly lady, Dorothy Herschel Roth, made two $100,000 gifts to this church. We didn't think Dorothy had a dime. <laughs> two $100,000 gifts separated by about a year. The second one came just days after we had finished this building, 
had exhausted the, the money we borrowed to build it, had finalized everything, and we get a bill from the water company for $88,000 because they decided they could put in a brand new high-powered water line, which we actually needed, but they had found a way we could take service without it, the fire department had, but they said, guess what? We're going to do it and you're going to pay for it, help pay for it. $88,000. Two days later, Dorothy gave me a check. I hadn't made a mention of that to anybody. Dorothy gave me a check for $100,000 that she felt she no longer needed to buttress her own old age because her daughter and son-in-law were going to take her in and guaranteed she would have a place forever. And like, why do I need this money? I think the Lord wants me to give it. And so, 88100 I'd like to say we made $12,000 on the deal. <laughs> God provided, see? God provided. There's things to thank him for. God has provided us with salvations and spiritual discoveries and much spiritual growth. You notice some of the full-grown men who were pictured being baptized? The first man to be baptized in this baptistry right here was 95 years old and had just really given his heart to Christ a, a few weeks before that time. We've had two believers over 90 come to Christ and be baptized here. We have seen children give their lives to Christ and, and come to see this church as their own spiritual family. We have seen some who were dedicated as children grow into responsible spiritual adulthood with children of their own. It's part of the value of being around for 20 plus years. You can sometimes see a full cycle, full circle come. We have discovered a walk with the Spirit these last few years that has exceeded anything that any of us had previously known. God has provided spiritual blessings in this place. So indeed, we agree with uh, David, a believer who truly remembers never forgets. He never forgets God's benefits and his memory. His memory of those things keeps him in a spirit of continual praise. Praise, not complaint. Praise, not debate. Praise, not restraint. Not one forgettable moment over all these years. We remember them all and desire to. Not one harsh or angry word has ever been spoken in this room. Never. No, no angry business meetings, we don't have them. Angry ones or any. Not one angry, spiteful word spoken in this place. And you know, God tested us on that before we ever had our first service in this place. See this screen up there? I forget exactly what size it is. Maybe it's 12 feet by 12 feet, but I mean, it's big. It's thick. It costs $10,000. 
When we built this place, Don and I said, the only thing we're going to actually spend any money on in any kind of an extravagant way is going to be what helps people see what we want them to see. There's a big, giant projection machine behind that screen. Today, they do it with a little thing the size of my Bible and hang it out here. But in 2007, it required the investment we made. However, just imagine this. That 12 by 12 or whatever it is, plexiglass screen, came in all by itself on the back of a semi. So it pulls into our parking lot out there, you know, on its end and strapped securely and there it is, 12 feet high and 12 feet long and it's on the back of the truck and it's like, gah, how do we get that in here? <laughs> Did anybody measure the doors? Uh, no, they were already hung out front there, our glass doors. Do you realize, and how many guys does it take to move that? Well, we even hired some fellas from a glass company in Victorville to help us move it. And it came in through those doors on a diagonal with about an eighth inch clearance. So in it came, in it came, in it came. At that time, of course, this room was just a bare concrete slab. And they brought it in here through these doors, which are a little bit bigger. And uh, it laid down here. And then we hired guys who were going to bring it up here, lift it up, fit it into place, and it's going to be awesome. Well, the morning they were going to do that, I was occupied doing something else. And about middle of the morning, I came in here to see how things were going. And I saw a circle of men. I mean, there's like 15 of them. I mean, it took that many to lift it and handle it. And they were all in a circle looking to the middle. Very somber. Very sober. Very much thinking to themselves, what in the world is Pastor Mark going to say? You know, like your kids are waiting for dad to come home. And I walk in wonder, what in the world? Maybe we had some bird that hit the wall and died in there. No, there's our screen. And one corner of it is broken right off. They had went to lift it, and it kind of flexed. And uh, even the guys who are supposed to know how to do this, we didn't get, I don't think we took enough classes in glass moving. And it broke right off. That's why those black corners are there on the bottom. It's this one over here. That corner's missing. Actually, it was glued back together to just complete the thing, but the, the frame was made to hide the cracked corner. And so then we had to match it over here as well. But I walked in, and here they are. And by God's grace, I just entered into their sorrow. There wasn't a, what in the heck were you guys... I'm capable of that. But not that day. Not in this room. Not in this place. And it was just like, wow. What can we do? 
the contract we were working with says, you know, I think I can glue that back on. Not that it would ever be stable, but it would, we could glue it on and then put it on the bottom and we will hang it and we can cover it. And, you know, so solutions were coming along, but they still had to be picked up again, raised up, put in place. But the point of it was even that event did not, none of them were yelling at each other. Who let it go? Whose fault is it? How are we going to pay for that? We can't order enough. None of that. And nothing like that has ever been expressed or uttered in this room. This room has been for the worship of God, for the fellowship of his people, and for absolutely nothing else. And so when you sit here, you're a beneficiary of that. You don't want to ruin that. But I've had more than one person over the 14 years we've been in this room say, you know, as soon as I came into this room, it just seemed like there's a different spirit in this place. Just a different spirit in this place. And that's something that God has provided for us. And we, it's a benefit he has given to us and we praise him for it. Well, secondly, here's a second spirit-enabled application of a functional memory. The first is that we remember the stuff God has done and allow it to stir praise in us just as though it happened just a moment ago. Secondly, a believer who truly remembers never neglects. That is, he never neglects God's instructions. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 11 says this, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Moses said way back in the beginning, Never forget the things that I am giving you and don't neglect obeying the things that God has said. Oh, I tell you, the instructions of the Lord have guided us, and they've guided us from the very first day of this church, and we've really not deviated from the main ones at all. For instance, God instructed us to follow in the beginning. God instructed us to follow the ministry paradigm outlined by the Apostle Paul. It's found in Acts chapter 20, verse 20. We, we could call it our 2020 vision of ministry. And Paul said, reviewing to the Ephesian elders, he said this, I taught you publicly and from house to house. Public worship and instruction, and then from house to house in smaller groups of people where discussion can take place. This is the simplest form of ministry I know. Way back 27 years ago, I said we were engaging in a spiritual experiment to find out whether a church, whether believers can be nurtured and strengthened and survive in such a simple structure. No American democratic system with everybody able to kind of bring their own thoughts to the picture. Just a very simple structure. Once a week meeting for worship that really focuses on worshiping God 
and then once a week gathering with a smaller group of believers to discuss the word of God as it was focused on Sunday. Public worship once a week, cell group fellowship once a week. For the first 13 years of the church, cell groups met in homes. Like Paul says, and I taught you from house to house. We met in homes both for that reason and because we had no building to meet in. We had no building to use during the week. And so all of our small groups met in homes and they stayed small. We like to say eight to ten because that's about the size of a dining room table. That's what you can put around a table. And I have to tell you, during those days... Whenever I paid a visit upon a new family that was coming to our church, whenever I stopped at their home to visit them, I always checked to see if their home had a dining room and did it have a dining room table. It was just an automatic thing. Ah, I see you have a dining room table. And they might have thought, well, why would that be significant? Just wait. A number of those turned out to be hosts of our cell group as time would go by. But I always look for that. Now we have a building here where we have rooms that are set aside and, and uh, people can use them and, and it, uh, it gives us that option as well. Though there are some cell groups that do still meet in homes and there's a very special feel to that. And then secondly, God not only instructed us to the ministry paradigm, he drew our attention to the biblical standards of tithing and stewardship. Bring the whole tithe, live within our means, take care of our own. That's what we've sought to do for 27 years. That's a focus of what we do the first Sunday of every month, our first fruit service. And by, by doing these things, we have developed in all of us a biblical mindset, a biblically sound mindset that includes tithing, it includes saving, it includes watching out for the needs of others and providing for those who are your own. This past year, I estimated that our church is about a 90% full tithing church. There's hardly a church in America that could even get close to that. The average church is not that way at all. But God has enabled us to be so. And on top of that, if I told a group of average pastors that our church is full of not only tithers, which they'd have trouble believing, but that they are joyful tithers, I'd probably be laughed out of the meeting. Say, uh, you know, I've had preachers try to brag on stuff before, but that's outrageous. If you're going to brag on something, at least brag on something we would find believable. See, we have a church full of joyful tithers. I'm one of them myself. You know, it's biblical. It's right. And God blesses those who tithe. He says he does. And we've found him to be true to his word. Also, God has impressed us with the centrality of worship. Psalm 96.9 says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now that's at the heart of it all. We are a worship-centered church. Our worship team members are not and never have been performers. 
This congregation is not and never has been an audience. We are a body of worshipers, and we are frequently impressed with the beauty of our Heavenly Father's holiness as we worship him. Next thing, God has impressed us with the significance of membership. Some contemporary churches says we don't have membership. That's an old-fashioned concept. Other people have old-fashioned membership. And man, once you join, you're in. And maybe you've been a member for 50 years, haven't attended for the last 20, but you're still on the roll. You're a member, and you have, you have power and authority. We have a membership, we always say, is a one-year renewable membership. We want people to identify themselves with what God is doing in this particular place. See, Psalm 107, 2 says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, when do we get to say so if we're redeemed? Every year, we give the redeemed people who happen to be part of this gathering the chance to say so when we walk the aisle come down front and sign our name to a document that says so. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I declare the Bible to be God's word and I commit myself to live this year as an obedient follower of Jesus and a member of this fellowship. That's saying so. Most Americans never get a chance to ever declare such a thing, except maybe when they are first saved. Oh, it means a lot, doesn't it? To say, I've declared myself. And these other people have declared themselves in the same way. And we might have an 8-year-old and an 80-year-old standing side by side declaring the very same thing. And I always like to say, where else in the world does that happen? Where else in American Christianity does an eight-year-old get to feel as significant, as important, and as part of things as the oldest member of the place? Our children don't really see our church as being little church and big church, old church and, or my group and the church over there. Now, from two years old, they come in saying, this is my church. They're part of it. And they rejoice in it. And when they get a chance, they sign up to be part of it, right along with everyone else. And so indeed, we can say, a believer who truly remembers never neglects. He never neglects God's instructions. And thus his memory keeps him living a life of obedience. Obedience, not resistance. Obedience, not reinvention of things. Obedience not just some mere ritual practice. Well, now here's the last thing. A believer who truly remembers never disconnects, never forgets, never neglects, and he never disconnects. He never disconnects from those who have shared in ministry. Paul said in Philippians 1.3, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Well, just for the last few moments of this message, I just want to play Apostle Paul a little bit. I just want to announce my delight 
in those who have shared in this ministry over the years and, and especially, as Paul says, from the first day until now. Let me just say, my wife Linda, my daughter Jody, are the key from the first day people for whom I thank God. Linda was the first to catch and share the vision that our marvelous three-person God had given to me. Jody was in our children's department on day one. And 27 years later, she's still there right now. She's hardly heard a sermon I've preached. She's been teaching herself every day to the littlest ones. The littlest ones who she has influenced over the years to love their church. And to tell their moms and dads, we need to go to church. We need to see Miss Jody. She's been a fixture. They know her more than they know me. And they're getting the better of the deal. <laughs> from day one, from day one. Gloria Bastianin was involved with us from even before that first service. Gloria and her husband Lee, who is now with the Lord, invested the entire summer of 1994 picking Linda and me up and we would go down the hill and visit some church to try to get a feel for what, is the, what are the worship styles, what are the approaches in, in some newer contemporary churches even, what are the things that God could use that would really touch our hearts and say that once we're building something from scratch, what is it that God would have us build? And we went every single Sunday. Now, it was a great help that Lee knew every restaurant in Southern California. <laughs> I'd lead him to the church, and he'd take us to the restaurant. And we had a marvelous, marvelous summer doing that. And, Glo and Gloria is still part of this fellowship. Don and Peggy Grant, they formed a ministry bond with us that nothing could break from day one. Don embraced the Sun Life ministry philosophy so completely that there was no chance that we would ever wander from the path. Don knew what God had called me to do. Don embraced it, and God, Don held me to it. And he would frequently say, well, Pastor, do you, do you think that's really consistent with what we're doing? Don that first year said, you know, Pastor, I think it'll be about a year, at least a year, before we can tell who has really embraced this. Because it's so different. A lot of people will come and visit a brand new church and, and then they will share their ideas of how to make it better, how to change it. Well, in my church, we did this. And Don says, you know, it'll probably be a full year before we even know who is actually embracing what God has called us to do. And he had that, that passion, that conviction. And then Peggy, Peggy has now curved out her, carved out her own first day spot in our story. Peggy is the one a couple years ago who suggested that I add some hugs to the nudges from the NUMA devotional I had written 
at that time. I just had 30 devotions morning. It was called Nudges from Numa. And every morning a reading, just like most devotionals would be. Getting to know the Holy Spirit, getting to understand his heart and his desire to shape us into the person Christ would have us be. And Peggy, after reading through them a whole month, she said, you know, there's just, there's just such a need. She had just lost Don. Don had just been taken home to heaven and, and she said, it's the evenings. The evenings that have such a void. If I could just feel like a, like a hug from the Spirit every evening, it would be so, so impactful. And Linda will confess, I was not taken with the idea initially. I'm just thinking 30 more things to write. I said, hey, Peggy, you ought to give it, a, just in your own personal devotions, kind of write out something in the evening that would kind of minister to your heart. We got home and Linda, much more graciously than this, but underlying it was kind of that admonition from the Lord that says, are you nuts? You who talk about hearing Numa's voice, he was shouting at you through Peggy just now. This is a need we have. Morning and evening. Why Charles Spurgeon did that a century or more ago. Morning and evening with Spurgeon. It's like there's both a beginning and an end to the day. And a nudge just kind of push you out the door with a thought to, to have your mind wrapped around. But when you come home in the evening, a hug that just says, this day's now done. Let it rest. Let me surround you with the love of God, the goodness of God, completely different than a judgment or, well, how did the day go? No, just a, an embrace in the evening, an encouragement in the morning. That was Peggy saying, I need that. I need that. Now we have six months of nudges and hugs that are already uh, for people. Peggy still reads. She gets the first thing every time when it comes out. She's our first one. She reads them every day. She's now on the East Coast and it's the nudges and hugs that keeps her and this bond that we all have with her strong and that she has with Christ. Because it's hard to find another church like this. It's hard to find people like you. It's hard to find a, a common history with, uh, with folks who've gone through what we've gone through and who are seeking to follow the Lord in this way. And so I, I just thank God for Peggy on every... So Peggy, if you're listening right now, you know I do. You know how valuable you have been and you just continue to, to trust God to lead you to a fellowship that, that can just be everything that that you would desire one to be. Indeed so. A believer who truly remembers never disconnects. He never disconnects from those who have shared in ministry with him and his memory keeps his heart filled with joy. The more we can say, oh, I remember and it's a joyful memory, the more blessed we are. My heart is filled to overflowing with joy this morning. Joy in you 
and in those who have preceded you in this Sun Life ministry. So our final thought says this, a believer to whom Numa grants good and clear memory is most blessed. Memory of God's works and words and fellow workers is indeed a blessing like no other. So don't sell it short. Even if you're somebody who says, ah, I can't do a whole lot for the Lord anymore, oh my goodness, it's a work for God to just remember. Remember what he's done. Forget not, David said, all his benefits. Because as you remember them, your heart fills with joy and praise, and that praise honors him. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We really could just go through the scripture and praise you for things you've done with and for other people. Of course we could. But Father, how good to have our own history. To be part of something that, that is old enough that we can look back far enough to see your faithfulness. Father, there are some in this room right now that are just starting this journey. This journey, perhaps, of, of our particular uh, fellowship together. Oh, Father, bless them. Bless them as they remember the path you've had them on before now. And bless them as they anticipate and wonder, is this the path God would, would have us on now? Father, for those in this congregation can, that I can look upon their face and think back for years. Oh, I thank you that they're here right now. I thank you for your faithfulness in and through them. Father, those who are in the midst of life change and struggle, they are adding to, to the legacy of God's grace and goodness. So bless them. Father, watch over us, keep us, and receive our praise that we bring you today for your goodness. For we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.